right. Well, uh, Greg, here we are again after uh, what I can only call a uh, second extended hiatus. Is that is that the best way to put it? I'm not sure. Yeah, it's a nine-month gap. We could have brought a <laughs> child to term in that, in that time frame. But... <laughs> but here we are. We're back uh, we are. live on tape from... Uh, I'm on tape from Chicago and Toronto. I'm Andy, and we got the one and only Greg Miller here with us as well. Into it, we got a guy that we all know and love here around at, at Echo today, uh, Dr. Arun Nagdev on the podcast. How you doing, Arun? You all right? Hey guys, how you been? <laughs> Happy to be on the podcast. I'm super excited. <laughs> right on. A lot man. about the. Learned a lot about it, about this podcast. Yeah, we I, and I I know that. Uh, you know, Arun <laughs> wanted to make sure that we had a good podcast today. He's heard some of our past ones, and he wanted us to make sure we stepped up our game. So we're going to do our best here today. You know, for everybody that maybe isn't familiar with Arun, you know, we know him well here at Echo, but he is a highly respected point-of-care ultrasound thought leader, you know, here in the U.S. And, and frankly, globally. He's, you know, the director of emergency ultrasound at Highland Hospital, which is part of Alameda Health System. He's running and leading one of the top residency programs for emergency medicine in the country out there something I know he's really proud of and we'll, we'll no doubt talk about a little bit today. He's a huge proponent of point-of-care ultrasound and, you know, as proof in the pudding of that, you know, he's currently the president of the ultrasound section at ASEP, which is a, a huge and important section that's driving forward, you know, medical imaging and emergency medicine. And for those that aren't familiar, ASEP is American College of Emergency Physicians. And look, finally, and most near and dear to Greg and I, Arun is our Senior Director of Clinical Education here at ECHO. And in that role, you know, he's leading our focus education efforts, which we hope you know, will help drive the adoption of point-of-care ultrasound uh, even more broadly than it is today, both in emergency rooms and other specialties and and in different settings all across the globe. So, uh, Arun, what did we miss? Did we miss anything in there that you want to, uh, there's a lot going on there, but uh, what's going on? No, that's very nice of you both for a great introduction. Again, uh, like I've talked before, I'm really, really lucky to be at such a great institution like Highland Hospital, which has been a um, pioneer in a point-of-care ultrasound for more than 30 years. Our chairperson just stepped down last week, and he was one of the authors of the first point-of-care book ever published. And I got really lucky to be a part of the family and the culture where point-of-care was part of emergency medicine. It was part of your job. It was the way that we practiced. It's not separated. It's not something we do. It's something we are. And growing up in that family really allowed me to published great literature that I think has been changing, helping mm-hmm. emergency medicine grow and be a part of bringing that back to industry and help build something that will help every emergency physician, every clinic physician, and anybody who uses POCUS in the future. Right on. No, that's awesome, man. We're, uh, we know that, that Highland is, uh, is critical. I, I was I was going to get right into it. Obviously, with Arun being such an expert in ultrasound education and coming from such a prestigious ultrasound program that's really led him to Alameda Hospital, I wanted to ask him just about education itself. You know, you know, everyone learns differently. The techniques are different. What have you found that works best in your residency program? What are you trying to change? How, how do you go about ultrasound education and the adoption of of POCUS? Yeah, that's a that's a fantastic question. I mean, I deal with, I don't have a perfect answer for this, Greg, but I think that it's a really important question. Education is so difficult because you have to build around the user, and the user sometimes is a med student who doesn't understand 
basic cardiac physiology to uh, a senior attending who isn't comfortable doing novel or new procedures. So I think that the key for education is building around the user, simplifying complex things so easily that people don't have to kind of go out of the way to learn something really difficult. I mean, I'll be my honest opinion that I'll give you back, give you some information about me. When I was a med student, learning about cardiac physiology was confusing. Learning about pulmonary hypertension or learning about why this happens. It was, I knew the steps to take care of patients, but I didn't understand it. And the beauty is point of care allows you to see that. So today I'm going to go scan with three medical students at uh, in about two hours. And my goal for them is to teach them in a way that they're learning. So simplify, 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 ease of use, and integrate into their clinical care. And I think that's been my biggest thing. We, we really pushed all the regional anesthesia at Highland, doing blocks for patients for pain control with ultrasound. And it was always about simplify, 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 so that every user can use it. And I think that is my, hopefully, use in point of care. I did some work at Stanford on design stuff, and that was really their big motto, right? User interface, user right. simplification, and build around the user. So that's going to be my 10-second uh, spiel on what I think is the best way to educate. Yeah, and I just to dig into one point there, like the translation from textbook to real right. life, like seeing is believing. When you get your hands on it and you see the pathology and you see the anatomy, it helps drive it a bit more home. But obviously... You know, there's experts like yourself in those programs that are around as a guiding hand. How, how do you overcome that when, when people don't really have access to expertise that are guiding their hands? What kind of tools or techniques have you seen work out there? This is really an interesting point. I think we've leveraged this and we've leveraged technology in this space really effectively. If you look at emergency ultrasound, emergency medicine specifically, free and open access medical education has become the center point of emergency education. My residents... I hate to say it, but they don't read textbooks anymore. Mm -hmm. They go online and look. They look at images. They look at podcasts. They look at simple, quick pathways to get bite-sized education. And I think that technology has done that. I always bring up Duolingo or, or, or these apps that really solidify education in this way that's not, here's a textbook, read and learn. But here, let me help you get this view. Let me help you understand this. And so I think that understanding how new learners are learning today, leveraging that with technology and building around them is the way that most people learn. And I think that offering them something that's easy, simplified on their phone, on their tablet, on their computer in various forms. Uh, if you were told me 10 years ago, I'd be watching movies on my phone, right. I would have been like, you're nuts. And now everybody's watching movies on their phone or watching 10 second clips on their phones. And that's how we are learning. It's good or bad. That's the way our mind is working today. And I think we, as as a company or as educators, need to build around that. Yeah, something you know that you talked on a little bit, and maybe I this may shift gears just a little bit. But you mentioned simplification, right? Simplification, simplification. You know, obviously, throughout the last few years and everything that's been going on, right? You know, and and this is very personal. It's different for every individual. Some people feel this, others may not, but certainly I think broadly there's been a, a trend across the, you know, the healthcare industry here in space of people getting, you know, burned out, right. Of, 
there'd be too much pressure, too much going on. And, and that mantra, frankly, of simplification, you know, I think that that resonates, I think maybe for, it certainly does to me when I sit here and listen to you talking about that. And then I think about these other challenges, you know, what, what's your take on that? I mean, have you, you know, I know maybe you personally, like I said, everybody's a little different. So, you know, burnout may, may not be the same for everybody, but in your, from your experience or the people around you, you know, have you seen that uh, burnout be continue to be an issue for people? Yeah, it's a, that's a great question. I think that we saw this. I mean, there's always, you know, when you look at research projects or you look at uh, periods of change, I think they give you a lot of information. COVID gave us a lot of information about how we deal with public health. And this is a, obviously not like COVID, but the implementation of the EHR or the electronic health record into medicine was another period like that. And what the beauty is, we get to look back and realize what it caused. And it caused a huge amount of stress and burnout in clinicians hmm. because we were given this tool that suddenly, because my goal is to take care of the patient. My goal is to take care of the sick patient or the well patient and then move on. And that we, we were given this large clunky apparatus that wasn't built around us, that was built around medical coders, <laughs> was built around financial revenue models. Right. And we had to work in it. And it caused a ton of my colleagues and myself a ton of stress. And I think burnout was really a true term. I don't, maybe didn't use that term at that point. And it was because it was built not around what I wanted to do. And I wanted to take care of the patient. I, right. I, if it's your family member, you want me to be engaged in your patient and not focused on a screen. And I think the error was the user interface, the ease of use. I want to see patient A. I want to document patient A. It wasn't built like that. And so I think that caused a lot of burnout. And I, I feel, and I, and I hate to kind of step ahead, but this is why I'm part of Echo and because I see the vision in our company being about building around the user. And when it comes to our platform or middleware or ability for data acquisition when it comes to ultrasound, same idea, build around the user. Make it so it's obvious to me that what I'm doing I capture an image, it should go directly to the electronic health record, I can document it easily, and I can sit down and relax. And that prevents burnout. So right. I think the, the implementation of the EHR was a really seminal point in my career to see how things were done improperly. And again, I'm not blaming anybody, but it's hard to do that. I don't know if I could have done it better, right. but I can hopefully make it a little better for smaller scale projects. Yeah. Sure. Oh, I, awesome. I, I think it, you can apply it all across. Like I, all of us could use more simplicity in our lives. And I think <laughs> there's a lot that everyone can overcome, especially physicians or healthcare workers in normal circumstances, right? There's so much, like you can spend the extra five minutes to maybe this isn't optimized and I got to jump through a couple extra hoops, but I can manage it. But quickly we found in ourselves in unmanageable situations where these inefficiencies not being addressed compounded the issue overall and, and can tip people over the edge. I, I can't say that we or everyone has all the answers out there because it, it is complicated. Like, uh, I don't want to. <laughs> yes. It's, it's hard to take something as complicated as delivery documentation and tracking of healthcare and simplify it down to a one button push. I hope we can get there someday. Uh, I think it's going to need some <laughs> neural link or something reading people's minds. But. <laughs> You know, any any opportunity to try to improve and, and add some simplicity to people's lives, I think, is a value add. And it obviously translates to the patients out there. So what do you see as an administrator in your program? What are you, what are you trying to 
eliminate for some of your residents as they come in? How are you trying to eliminate some of the stresses they're, they're finding or that you experienced and you found? What are, what are some tips and tricks, let's say, that you're, you're trying to purvey out there? I mean, e- even on the educational front, so we built a website specifically for our residents. Now it's been used by, we get for like 4,000 or five, 6,000 hits a month, but we built a website about procedural ultrasound because at a colleague of mine, we used to, you know, I, I've been doing the procedural lecture at ASAP for a decade now. So I'm really into the procedural ultrasound space. And my residents were like, I wish you were there when we, I was doing a name of procedure. So we kind of put together our website around our users because before they walk in a room, they can hop on, look quickly, make it easy, and then do the procedure and refresh it. We even built the same thing for their right. phone. So again, building around the user so they can do it. And it's not 30 pages of reading because they have to see the patient in five minutes. They just wanted a visual refresher. So they could quickly give them information. Okay, this is where I put the probe. This is the region I'm looking at. This is where the needle goes in. This is what I need in the room. So I think giving them that education in these bites really reduces their stress. And also at the end, it improves their patient care and it allows them to have successful procedures. So I'm excited by that. And that's why I've, I mean, I've spent 10 years doing that. And that is, I think one of the biggest stressors for physicians walking in a room when you're scared and the patient's scared and your doctor's scared is not fun. Having somebody confident yeah. knowing what's going on is the right thing to do. It's crazy. There, there's so many unknowns already, right? Like there's so yeah. many unknowns yeah. already, but at least they have enough information to understand what they're going to encounter when they get in the room. It alleviates yeah. some of that reservation. You know, you can relate to that in, in all aspects of life. I, I think it's very useful. I wonder, how do they access this information? Like, is it, are they using their own personal phones? Are you, yeah. are you supplying phones as part of the hospital? How is that dynamic? Because I know in in many institutions, this is a struggle at yeah. times, you know, people using their personal phones, are their ones allocated? How do I access information on the fly? Yeah, so they, we, have, we have desktops everywhere for their EHR, and on that is mm-hmm. educational resources that are built in, so it's a one-click educational resource, and our website's up on there, okay. and they all use it. And then on their phone, they can download, it's an iBook, because we did it for free, I did it with the resident project, we just put that same data in even a more simplified manner on their iPhone so they can just use their iPhone, pull it up and look. And I, I think this is, this is the way that we learn. Uh, this is how I learn. This is how you learn. We just have had people who are really smart uh, write really detailed books about stuff, which is great, but that's not how I learn on the fly. I mean, we, we want this right. you know, rapid information that is good, that is quality, but yet simplified. And I think that's the hardest thing to do. Simplifying anything is very difficult. You, know, you see this over and over again, right? Making something very complicated. You've all been to a lecture and there's a clinician who, or a speaker that makes stuff very complicated. And you're like, I just, I can't, I can't do that. 74 steps to a souffle is going to kill me, right? The, the reason New York Times sells the 10 minute cook or the 20 minute cook is because of the simplicity. Because people are like, I can do it. It may not be perfect, yeah. but it'll get the job done. Yeah. And so I think, I, I, I know I'm trying to annoy some people because it's simplified, but I think, again, as, as our CEO says, right, the 80-20 principle, we have to really address the 80% market. And I think that's the population. You have to really get up and be like, wow, ultrasound really makes a difference in care. I can look at the heart quickly. I can make sure there's no pericardial fusion. I can put a central lining quickly, safely. Right. That's important to me. 
the the right nugget of information at the right time. Yeah, yeah, not easy to do. Not easy it's to a, do. It, it is a it is a moving target of difficulty, but I think it's something that you have to strive for. I'll take us over to the next one. I want to talk a little bit about ASAP. Obviously, the ultrasound section chair is the largest portion of ASAP. It's in your backyard this year. It's in San Francisco. For those that don't know, on uh, the first week in October. I'm wondering, what's going to make ASAP different this year? A little lighthearted question here. You know, Are we going to have specialty foods? I know... You know, I'm, I'm from Canada, but I hear rice aroni is a special treat sometimes in San Francisco. What, what do we expect? What do we expect to see? So I'm offended by that question, Greg. I'll be very honest with you. San Francisco is an amazing city. I will take you out to somewhere that isn't like, you know, weird meats. And I don't know what you guys eat in Canada. What is it, ham? Is that what's going on in Canada? But we will, I will take you to a real restaurant where people sit down with the tablecloth and offer really good food, maybe some vegetables in the food. It'll be amazing oh for you. They don't have um, poutine there? San, <laughs> San Francisco is such an amazing town. And the, the irony is October is the best month for weather. It's our summer. So it's going to be warm by the water. You're at Moscone Center. It's walking distance to the Embarcadero, walking distance to fantastic neighborhoods and it's it's gonna be amazing whenever my friends come they're always like this is the best time of year again in june right now or july it's cold in san francisco october it'll be beautiful food's fantastic there's gonna be amazing talks i mean it's always a fun time and you get to see all these people that we've now kind of not hung out with for two years so it's gonna be a gigantic fun time with all your close friends and i can't wait i can't wait to be there and i can't wait to to just see everybody it's gonna be great and to actually take you out to a, re, a decent restaurant. Uh, I'm looking forward <laughs> to that. I'm looking forward to the, the decent restaurant. No, what's that What's that coffee shop in uh, in Canada? Tim, Tim Horton? Horton? No, oh, Tim don't, Horton don't, Donuts. Let's not, <laughs> let's not get a whole country angry at you, Arun. Let's not do that. Yeah. <laughs> we, have, we, have like, we have coffee where people will sit there for 20 minutes and do a pour-over drip. They'll like, it's so snooty about coffee and food in San Francisco. It is the, it is... It is on the opposite end of the snooty extreme. There's going to be flowers in your food. It'll, it'll be it'll be all over the place. But it's uh, <laughs> it's a great town for food and for walking because it's tiny, and it's got a lot of great places to and, eat. And the Echo Nation, Echo Nation can hear all about it on Arun and Greg's new podcast. Greg dines out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Well, I don't know. Can you hear me now? We can hear you. You're back. Okay. All right. So we'll, uh, you know, look, I think, like I said, we're running to the end of this thing. What uh, what do you got coming up next, Arun? You going someplace, doing something interesting? Going anywhere? Vacation? Heading to Portugal for 10 days. I'm really excited. I've never been. Been to Spain a bunch. Been all over Europe, but never been to Portugal. And uh, I think it's the time to go. It's my first trip out of COVID. And I'm excited to, I'm sure, wait in long lines at various airports around the world and uh, (laughs) complain about (laughs) all the people who are sitting right next to me complaining about the long lines at the same airport. But I will make sure my batteries are charged and carry very, very minimal amount of clothing because I do not want to pack 
check any bag in, <laughs> as what I've been told. Are you going to yeah, make it out to the uh, the Azores or your mainland port, central? I think Portugal? I'm going to go. I'm going to head. I'm going to head down to the to the beaches in the southern part of Portugal. I'm really excited. What I know Arun won't be doing is listening to this podcast while he's over there. So, uh, but I, I hope that I hope that everyone else gives it another ride around the block. Like I said earlier, it's a shame that we were gone nine months and, and didn't hear anything from anybody. But we're glad to be back. We'll hopefully we'll be back again next month with a brand new episode. Hope everybody will join us again. Thank you, Arun, for taking a few minutes and chatting with us and sharing some of your experience. We appreciate you taking the time to join us. Follow us, uh, Greg, on where? Where where are people supposed to find us? Wherever you get access your podcasts, we're everywhere. Where you wherever exactly wherever your finest podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Anchor. You can follow us. uh, Follow us on Twitter. (laughs) Follow us on Twitter, Greg. How many? I think Greg's got way more Twitter followers than me now. I think he finally in that last nine months. That's something else that happened. Greg blew past me in Twitter followers. So that's cool. I congratulate him on that uh, that achievement. But, you know, comment. I think there's places you can comment on this, like it, review it, you know, hate it, whatever floats your boat, but whatever you do. It all it all works uh, in the algorithm. Sure. Like, vent your anger. That's, that's fine. Right. That helps us, too. Vent your anger. <laughs> <laughs> and, and whatever you do, buy the merch. That's buy all merch. I got to say. Uh, thank you, Greg. Thank you, Arun, once more. Appreciate it, guys. And we'll uh, we'll talk to everybody next month. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Peace out.